Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Hi there, and welcome back to the show. Before I start talking about The Long Goodbye, the film that is the focus of this episode, I want to thank all the new listeners who have joined us recently, especially those in Australia. I don't keep check of the stats of the show very often because I'm so busy making sure I bring you a new episode every week, but I did see that a few weeks ago, Australia was added to the map of countries where my listeners live. I'm really happy about that because Australia is one of my favorite countries in the world. So please allow me to say, good day, mate. To my new followers. If you listen to the episode featuring the film Images, you will remember that my co-host for that episode, Jens Dietrich, said I would like The Long Goodbye more than Images because it had a more conventional plot. While that is true, it did go off in some tangents that were just a little too weird, but the story did stay on track. So Jens, you were right. I did like The Long Goodbye as a film more than Images. The score, though, it will never rank as high as Williams' work on images. Robert Altman brought in Elliot Gould to star in The Long Goodbye as the 1970 version of Philip Marlowe. Altman had directed Gould in MASH two years earlier, and Gould's participation was one reason why Altman decided to direct the film. Gould not only puts a unique spin on Marlowe that in no way reminds us of Humphrey Bogart's work in The Big Sleep, but he puts a little bit of Altman's humor that isn't out of place. Also in the cast, in an uncredited role, is future movie star Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has no lines but takes off his shirt in a weird scene. In many ways, the score is just as weird. Where Altman gave Williams free reign to do pretty much whatever he wanted with the music and images, Altman put restrictions on Williams' creativity this time around. Altman wanted Williams to compose a main theme for the film and only that theme would play through the entire film with no derivations from those notes. In a way, this had to feel constrictive for Williams, who would compose numerous themes for characters and places in a film. In fact, I think this was the first original film score in at least seven years where Williams wrote only one theme. Williams began his work on The Long Goodbye before filming started because Altman's idea of using the main theme to run through the film would spill into the source music. My research uncovered a starting date of June 1972 for filming The Long Goodbye, which meant Williams had written the main theme just before then. In terms of his timeline, Williams had probably learned of The Long Goodbye from Altman during the recording sessions for Images in February 1972, then after a little break sat down to write a melody that would be turned into a song by lyricist Johnny Mercer. Williams and Mercer had worked together on Not With My Wife You Don't, and came together for this one song that would flow in and out of the film in various forms. By May 1972, the song was ready, and the shooting script added three scenes in which the song would be performed in the film, and another when a Mexican band would perform it. I don't think the lyrics for the song match anything that's going on in the film. Essentially, it's a torch song about a romance that was never meant to be. There's absolutely no romance going on in the film, so the song itself kind of goes with the ironic tones that Altman was shooting for with the film. That's highlighted by the fact that he puts Detective Philip Marlowe in the present day instead of 1950 when the events of the novel are set. 
This gives Marlowe a little fish-out-of-water presence, especially when he comments on his half-naked neighbors doing yoga or when he's browsing the cat food aisle at the grocery store. I did not think the concept of one theme running through the whole film would work, but surprisingly it does. That's because Williams puts the theme through so many instrumental variations that it always takes on a different flavor and never seems repetitive. The filmmakers even go so far as to make the sound of a doorbell ring the song melody. Playing a major role in the performance of the underscore was Dave Grusin, who at the time was known for his underscore for The Graduate and was making a quiet career as a jazz composer and producer. His popularity in jazz performance at the time caught Williams' ear, particularly with Williams' own affinity for jazz music, and the Dave Grusin trio performed pretty much all of the music not heard by the characters in the film. Grusin would go on to win an Oscar in 1988 for the Malagro Beanfield War score, beating out John Williams, by the way, and he would dabble in many more great film scores while maintaining a foothold in jazz performance. His score for The Firm, in which the music is only played by piano, remains one of my top non-John Williams scores. So, let's start examining the multitude of ways John Williams presents the main theme to us. The opening of the film exhibits the idea that this theme is the only music you'll hear in the film, and it's done masterfully. We start with an easy jazz performance of a piano arrangement of the melody as we're introduced to Philip Marlowe as he is awakened in the middle of the night by his hungry cat. This performance lasts almost five minutes as we watch Marlowe shuffle around his apartment. The film and the music abruptly cuts to the car of Marlowe's friend Terry Lennox, who is driving from his house in his car to Marlowe's apartment. On the car radio, the song plays as performed by Jack Sheldon. There's a long goodbye 
happens every day When some passerby invites your eye to come her way Even as she smiles a quick hello That cuts to a female vocalist named Clyde King whose version is heard in Marlo's car as he heads to the grocery store to get cat food. You know you said the long goodbye There's a long goodbye This version doesn't last as long. We cut to the inside of the grocery store where we hear the melody playing over the loudspeakers. This tune is following Marlo everywhere. We'll get this version and Jack Sheldon's vocal intercut for two minutes as we see Marlowe in the store and then Terry Lennox driving in his car. Let him go, you let the moment fly. Can you recognize the theme on some other street two people meet as in a dream running for a plane through the rain they could be lovers Till they die It's too late to try When a missed hello Becomes alone every day when some passerby invites your eye to come her way even as she smiles a quick hello you let her go then we are back in Marlowe's apartment with the gruesome trio returning to close out the 10 minutes of music with the piano performance Turn your head you know you said
I liked the cuts between the Muzak in the supermarket and Jack Sheldon's performance, especially when Sheldon isn't even able to get out the full title of the song before the film cuts back to Marlowe in the supermarket. I'm amazed how Williams was able to keep the music flowing here despite the quick cuts. Before we move on, I think those born in the 1970s or earlier might think Jack Sheldon's voice sounds familiar. In addition to being one of the principal musicians on the Merv Griffin show, he also sang a couple of songs for the Schoolhouse Rock educational cartoons. Just a Bill is just as good, but Conjunction Junction is forever burned in my brain. Conjunction Junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction Junction, how's that function? I got three favorite cars that get most of my job done. Conjunction Junction, what's their function? I got and button or they'll get you pretty far. There's a moment about 30 minutes into the film that convinced me that the song was composed before filming began. It takes place when Marlowe walks into his favorite bar to pick up some messages relating to his job as a private detective. A man is playing the theme on piano, and since we don't see his hands, I thought this music was added in later. But he starts singing the lyrics, and I was jolted by that. And it happens every day when some passerby invites your eye to come her way, even as she smiles. Hello, this is Philip Marlowe. Mrs. Roger Wade, excuse me, you got a pencil on it? Oh, yeah. As I said, there is no romantic subplot in the film, but Williams does his best to try and start one with a fairly basic performance of the theme when Marlowe is hired to find a woman's missing husband. This is the one moment where the music fits the noir feel for the film, with a trumpet taking control of the theme as strings play underneath.
Another very strange arrangement of the theme comes when a gangster and his henchmen take Marlowe back to his apartment to look for the money Terry Lennox might have hidden there. We see Marlowe's female neighbors doing some sort of tantric dance that's scored with a sitar, a stringed instrument played mostly in Hindi music. I don't know if the music was recorded before filming and actually played on set, but that illusion continues during part of the harrowing scene when Marlowe is pressured by this man named Marty Augustine to give up the money. By the way, Marty Augustine is played by the film director Mark Rydell, who is about to start filming Cinderella Liberty in Seattle around the same time. Yes, Rydell was a sometime actor, but definitely better known for his directorial skills, particularly his work with Williams on The Reavers and The Cowboys, and as I said, upcoming in Cinderella Liberty. I liked him in this movie, and it didn't seem like a stunt cameo by Altman, since Rydell wasn't a well-known director like Hitchcock, who would put himself into his movies. There's another scene later when Marlowe is brought to Marty's office for one final shakedown, and we hear Marty singing part of the theme song. It's a long goodbye, and it happens every day. And after the money has been delivered to Marty by an unseen person, we get a lovely piano version of the main theme that gets a little upbeat as it seems Marlowe's case has been pretty much closed. He walks out of the building and sees a woman he knows driving away. On the soundtrack, we get a pretty nice piano representation of the theme that still suggests victory, but also meshes with the upbeat tempo of the scene as Marlowe chases after the woman's car. The piano theme is interrupted a few times by Clyde King's vocal playing on the car radio so we get underscore and source music trading off again. It's another cool moment, but I would rather play just a bit of that piano music because it's performed by John Williams himself. For just the second time in 31 films, John Williams is credited as performing on his own soundtrack. Both times were in films directed by Robert Altman, by the way.
I think John Williams felt like he was back in those jazz clubs in New York City while he was playing this. Those days playing all over Manhattan while he was studying at Juilliard are almost 20 years behind him, but it clearly was something that was deep in his bones. And I don't want to forget the music played during Marlowe's visits to Mexico. The theme takes on an obvious Latin flair with the guitar in a lengthy scene when Marlowe is talking with the Mexican police about the strange disappearance of his friend Terry Lennox. And later, we see a funeral procession go by the police chief's window. The band is actually playing the main theme on their instruments on the set. If you see the film, you will notice the sheet music on the backs of the musicians. As far as concept goes, this was a unique and inspirational idea from Robert Altman. Yes, I know, I said at the beginning I wasn't sure it was going to work, but by the end, I really fell in love with it. However, I'm glad Altman didn't try to continue this in feature films. In fact, this was the last Altman film to feature a major underscore for about 20 years. As such, the long goodbye was real for Altman and Williams. This was their final collaboration, though I'm sure Altman tried to get Williams to be a part of future projects. But of course, Williams' star might have outgrown Altman's eccentric concepts, or Altman simply knew Williams was not the right type of composer for his films. But we can be very happy that these two worked together twice. We got two very different scores, but the music for each worked for the films and allowed the scores to stand out, even if the films did not fare well. In Los Angeles, where The Long Goodbye is set, box office was poor. Though the New York Times named it one of the 10 best of 1973, the film still did not perform well. Luckily, this did not mean the end of Altman's career, which would get a jolt two years later with Nashville, a movie that began to label him as a director of large-scale modern epics with a who's who of movie stars in the cast. John Williams didn't get any recognition from his peers or the critics with the score to The Long Goodbye. I found no reference to the music in critics' reviews, and most biographies of John Williams tend to gloss over this film when talking about Williams' work in 1973. Having never heard a note of the score until preparing this episode of the podcast, it's really a shame that this music gets passed over for the more famous works of the year, namely Tom Sawyer, Cinderella Liberty, and The Paper Chase. And as always, please, please feel free to reach out to me with comments about the show or any particular episode by writing to me at jeffswim at AOL.com. Every email I get, I read them all. Sometimes I respond to them. 
and it always informs me for the future. You can also follow me on Twitter at JeffSwim and post comments on the Podbean app. I invite you also to leave a review of the podcast on Apple, I, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, the baton is down. They could be lovers until they die. It's too late to try when a missed hello becomes a long. Try to be nice to me now, I'm leaving and it's goodbye. I ain't running after you in the rain when you're catching a plane. No more goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'm through, I'm through this time and I mean it. In fact, I don't know if I ever even did like you, except for your body. Your body was good. Well, let's, let's say so long.